the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, we've been spending a lot of time together, you and I, working on the different modules for the new uh, Maximum Law Minimum Time. So, Yeah, lucky you. I'm yeah, lucky, lucky me you. indeed. Yeah, no, it, it, it's going real well. I think people are really going to like it. I think we've uh, talked more on there than we thought we were going to, but we actually had a lot to say. Yeah. And I, I really, we talked about this the other day, like we were really hitting our stride with it. We've had to re-record a couple of times, but I think we're really hitting our stride and I think people are going to like it. Well, great. Well, I'm excited about our guest today. She just, I think recently found out about the podcast and was enjoying it and we were chatting uh, offline. And so I invited her on the show. Her name's Michelle Spurn. She's a family lawyer here in St. Louis County with us. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Michelle, let's start with your story. Tell us about your journey and how you got to where you are now. Sure. Well, I graduated from WashU in 1996 and I spent the first, um, gosh, maybe six years of my career at a little firm called Zerker and Hawker that you might've heard of, but that doesn't exist anymore. While I was on maternity leave with my older child, Zerker merged into a really was subsumed by then Hush Neppenberger, now Hush Blackwell. So I came back to work to the same job, but a, a different job. I was there for a year full-time and then another year part-time, which I redefined to mean I'll work when I feel like it and you'll just keep paying me. Um, I knew that was only going to last so long. And of course, it only lasted so long. They really wanted me back full-time. And I, at the time, was pregnant with baby number two. And my husband was a partner at a big firm. And it wasn't going to work. So I actually went out on my own for the first time back then in 2003, really on my own, like meeting clients at Breadco on my own. No staff, just me with a PO box and my cell phone and an SBC Global email address. <laughs> and that was it. And so um, I did that for a while. I really liked that for four years. And then I finally stepped up and got some office space. I did that for five years. And then in 2011, I joined the law firm where I left to, to more, most recently. And I was a partner there from, I came over there in 2011. I was a partner from 12 until the end of, gosh, I guess 17, which was when I left to form, to have my firm now. 
and now I have a firm where I'm on my own, but I have an associate, I have a paralegal, um, I have an assistant, I have an office, I have infrastructure, and a real email. So this is great. This is this is I think I think this is the first person we've had on the show who've started their own firm twice. I guess Tyson and I have sort of done it because we took on partners for a, a New York minute, but we didn't really change much. And we certainly didn't have the big gap that you did between the two times that you started. What did you learn starting your firm the first time that impacted how you started your firm the second time? I think the biggest thing is how much help you really need, or at least how much help I need. I don't think anybody gets to be successful all on their own. I mean, I think you you got to have somebody answering your phone. That's like the biggest thing because if you spend all your time answering the phone, you're not really actually getting any work done. The sheer amount of time I was doing administratively billing and such, I mean, I, I, you got to have somebody else do that, I think. Michelle, something we don't really, I don't think talk about enough is having kids and how that really affects um, your career. Will you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you worked part-time for a little bit whenever you were raising your kids. Will you talk about that aspect of things? Sure. Oh, gosh. Well, the first the first time I was on my own, I had um, a baby. I mean, a, a toddler and a baby, a baby baby. So we are in a position, my, my, we don't have any family in town, so we don't have any like built-in backup. And again, my husband was and, and still is a partner at a big firm. And the expectations, I think, especially at that time of men are just a little bit different. So I really did a whole lot of juggling between and sort of fitting in practicing law between carpool, preschool, kid activities. Um, I swapped a lot of times with friends. You know, I'll watch your kids if you can watch my kids for two hours. I became very effective at getting work done in compressed periods of time. I had more phone calls with clients than I, I mean, like, you know, in the parking lot of the preschool, like waiting for pickup. I never told them, obviously I was there, but I was. It's hard with little kids, little, little kids. And then, you know, they get bigger and they need you, but in different ways. I don't think that there's any way to like, you know, have it all. People say that, you know, you keep the work-life balance and trying to make everything work. There are just so many times. And now my oldest is a 20-year-old college sophomore and my youngest um, is about to turn 18 this week, which is just unbelievable to me. And as a high school senior and, you know, they still need you. Like they, my older had an emergency a couple of weeks ago, medical emergency. He's fine. He's totally fine. But, you know, it's like you sort of run out of work. And I still think that there are always times where you're working and you feel like you should be doing something with your kids or you're doing something with your kids, but you're just consumed about a case. There's no, I just think it's never easy. And it's certainly helpful to have family in town uh, and have backup childcare. And just to, I think to know that it's just not going to be perfect. My kids turned out. Okay. We think. I think my wife would say that there's still a different expectations for dads than moms, but um, I'm, I'm working on it. Talk to us about the big differences that you noticed between working at a big law firm and being out on your own a second time. Wow. Well, so I've been, you know, I've been at a big firm. I've been at, two smaller firms of different sizes and I've been on my own. So I've, and I've been on my own, really on my own. So I've done it all different ways. I mean, at a big firm, there is an enormous amount of structure and there are a lot of expectations, especially in terms of the billable hour. It's just sometimes a lot. Now, of course, for that, a lot of things are taken care of for you. Your phone will be answered, your copies will be made, your bills are sent out. None of that is a concern. 
but sometimes the billable hour expectation, I think it's, I thought it was crushing, crushing, especially for uh, a young attorney, a young, at least at the time, again, a young female attorney with kids. I do think that still the expectations are, are, are different for men than women. It's a lot better now. It's a lot more common for women to work part-time attorneys than it was when I was working part-time, no one was working part-time. Like I didn't know anyone else who was working part-time. It was like unheard of. People sort of rolled their eyes. What? At a, at a, I think a medium, if you're going to be at a law firm, I think a medium, I really enjoyed both times. Zircon Hawker was a wonderful small law firm and um, Grow Weiss and Carlin, where I was at most recently was, is a wonder, is, was and is a, a great firm. You really got to enjoy the people. You really got to like the people in charge. And you'll have to like the decisions that are getting made. For me, I'm, because I'm, I don't know, anal, and I like to have things done a certain way. And if I, I like having a voice, that's really ultimately why I love to go on my own. At a big firm, you're not going to have that. I mean, you're just not, unless you really get into the upper, upper, upper echelon of management, which so few people do. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit because I do feel like there's this, always this big, big, I don't know fight or this friction between big law and what my former partner used to call street law, which I think it's a really clever name for it, a big law versus street law. And in the questionnaire that you, you uh, filled out for us, you said that uh, there's a massive importance of professionalism in the practice. And I, I really get aggravated sometimes whenever I'm sitting at my desk and I see an alert come through that someone has unilaterally noticed up a deposition without even giving me a damn phone call. And it drives me nuts. It drives me freaking nuts. And so, and I do, it's weird. Like some firms, it's great dealing with some, it's just a pain in the ass. So will you talk about the importance of professionalism in your opinion? Yeah, there really is no more, nothing more important in my opinion. There is the idea, the people noticing of depositions without a phone call, you know, are you available? You know, I think surprising you in front of judges with issues that have never once been discussed conduct in court and sometimes especially and I, I think it's it's almost more prevalent now because settlement conferences at least for us are zoom right they're virtual so there's some conduct on zoom or even on the phone that I think would not be tolerated in person in front of judges and it's just you I don't think anyone can get anywhere without the trust of their peers in their community and in their law practice and you've got to be able to be trusted. If you are doing things like setting depositions without notice, that's just like, that's like the worst, right? That's like number one on the list of things not to do, not returning phone calls, basic rude, rudeness. I mean, frankly, it's just not going to get you anywhere. And if you're not trusted by your peers and you also will ultimately be trusted by the judges and then you're not going to be that, you're not going to be successful. Reputation really is everything. It's, it's, it's everything. I think in my practice and in, in almost all practices. I have to ask this question, having raised four kids with an attorney partner, talk to us about that life at home with a attorney who happens to be your spouse. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. It's worked for us. I know a ton of lawyers who say that they could never be married to another lawyer. I don't know that I could not be married to another lawyer. He has a completely different practice area, although we're both like sort of technically litigators a totally different practice area and practices in a, for a big firm. And so our practices are not on a day-to-day -day basis, very similar. However, our arguments are always, um, there's a lot of cross-examination 
And I, uh, both of us have said, okay, stop cross-examining me. I think with our kids, we have had, um, when there are disputes, we all the time when they were little, we used to have trials, like trials where you sit and give your case. And now you sit and give your case and the judges will deliberate. And then maybe we'll give you some time for rebuttal. And then we're going to rule. And the kids just love, it just seems fair. And I think it is fair. The kids loved it, loved it. So um, it's, you know, it's worked for us. We also, my husband was in my law school class, which is a little bit, I think, unusual. So we know a lot of the same, a lot of the same people. And we come from, you know, we know a lot of the same judges. We know a lot of the same attorneys, even though we're in different practice areas, we're we're the same age. So it's, it's worked for us. My wife is not a lawyer. And she says to me, when we're arguing, stop lawyering me is what she says to me. So she, she gets frustrated by it. So I like the idea of a trial. I'm going to, I'm going to try that. That's good. I'll say one thing, you know, in our non-legal lives, like in our real, in our real lives, whenever it's time to sign a contract, you know, even if it's just like for like the landscaper, right. Or we, um, oh my God, we did a big rehab of our house, um, almost 10 years ago. And my husband, God bless him, read all the, I mean, he didn't do the contracts, but he read all of the contracts, redlined all of the contracts. I was kind of like, you can do that. That's fine. I don't, I don't, I just don't want to do that, but he happens to be a construction lawyer. So, I mean, he, he knew a lot more. So there's probably a lot more careful reading of contracts than you would ordinarily find. And a lot more careful questioning of like warranties, um, things like that. So what can you say? And I will say there's also a lot sometimes of um, unwarranted um, like trepidation among like I, we, I had a, my, one of my kids had a trouble with a teacher, right? Um, it's like a million years ago, like fifth or sixth grade. And um, I'm not normally the mom who's like calling to, you know, to whine or complain, but it was pretty bad. So I started with a you know, teacher very gently and then um, I wasn't getting any results and I kind of took it up, took it up, took it up. I ended up having a meeting with the principal and it ended up that my kid was removed from that class and put into a different class. And that was after they started, the initial was sort of like, we don't do that. Well, you know, it's not so much that they made an exception for me as the circumstances merit, really did merit it. Anyway, it all worked out. And then the following year, my kid was in this, um, in a different class and we went for like, back, you know, back to school night or whatever you want to call it, curriculum night. And his new teacher was like, oh, um, so you're sort of, so you guys are the parents. Um, we were like, uh-oh. And she said, oh, you know, I just heard that you guys were, you know, advocates and I know you're both lawyers. So I was a little nervous about what you'd be like. Well, and I think they were hopefully pleasantly surprised that we're both actually really nice people, you know, not whiners or harassers of others. But, um, you know, it's funny what people think when they picture lawyers. I think they sometimes picture people who are unnecessarily aggressive at times. Right. The lawyers, the lawyers. Right. So let's talk about, it sounds like you've built a pretty large referral base. So how were you able to, uh, to, to build that up, especially bouncing back and forth between, you know, big law and, and having your own firm? So the best um, referral base for me is, I mean, has always been and continues to be other lawyers. So, I mean, just because domestic is such a niche practice, so you either know people who do it or you don't know people who do it. And I feel like people either really, either they do it all the time or they don't want to have anything to do with domestic. So that has been, I mean, honestly, just starting with my law school classmates who refer, who, who still refer, that was really the basis. And then, I mean, for a while when I was sort of momming it more, I mean, my kids' parents um, and their, and really not so much their, but the, those parents, but their friends 
who, you know, someone, someone's always getting divorced is the unfortunate reality. I mean, it's either your best friend or your, you know, your sister or your sister's cousin or someone at work. And everyone knows someone who's like, can I, can I talk to you for a second? And that is always sort of like at parties, of course, in the before times when we had parties, a lot of sort of pulling me aside. Can I talk to you for a second? I always knew. I always knew. And there's a lot of, you know, well, my friend's going through this problem, you know, 90% of the time it's them. So I have been, um, I've worked hard to maintain my referrals. I mean, again, lawyers and, and really the, the best referrals are former clients. And I think that's the biggest compliment. And I've been practicing long enough at this point. I'm old enough at this point that um, I'm, I'm on people's sometimes um, second divorce or the prenuptial agreement for their second marriage. So it's always nice. It's nice to see them come back or to send people. Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm, or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good. Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step -step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you are prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want and we'll show you how to become a Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. All right. So, Michelle, I was excited that you found the Maximum Lawyer podcast and the group because it's it's surprising. Tyson and I don't have that many people that listen to us in St. Louis, which is sort of ironic. I was wondering what resonated with you and what kind of things are you sort of struggling with or could we help with these days? Well, so I found you guys because of some friends of mine who are also big fans, Stephanie Jones and Sophie Raza. I don't know if you guys know them, but um, they are my colleagues. I do what I do. And what really resonates for me, I mean, first of all, the, the tips, hack of the week, always good stuff. Um, I actually have a running list of stuff I still need to do. I am reading the 12-week year, although I have not had enough time to sit and like get through it. But I'm trying to take that idea about blocking time, you know, and scheduling, scheduling that way. You know, in terms of... I'll say I'm having some growing pains at this point. I probably need to, I'm at the point where I probably need to hire another attorney. So it's, um, it's first of all, it's hard to find someone and we're a small group. So it's gotta be someone whose personality meshes. And I'm very cognizant, like you don't wanna steal someone from another law firm and create bad feelings. That person really, I think has to reach out to you first. I'm at the point where I'm sort of thinking that I might just go to the law schools and look for like a brand spanking new green attorney and just train them from the ground up. You think that's good? Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. And having just hired someone apparently who had 10 years of experience, who was an absolute moron. I think that there's no substitute for training people up the way you want them to. Yeah. I, um, my assistant, um, Amber, who it's unbelievable has never worked in a law firm before, which I can't, I can't believe, but she was in a customer service business and she, I have gotten so many compliments. I mean, the way she answers the phone, she always goes above and beyond. She's excellent. She's I mean, she's outstanding. I kind of trained her what I want and she, I mean, she does it. So she's great. 
So a little, and I mean, honestly, I don't know if you guys have any ideas, the ongoing, the email problem. I mean, right. I just don't, I feel sometimes being consumed by emails and my time just gets eaten up, eaten up, eaten up every day. Um, it's like an avalanche. So for me, we had a lady on the show who runs a VA service and I hired a VA. I pay, I pay her a thousand dollars a month and she runs my email and she puts everything into FileVine for us. She puts our leads into the lead software. I never see my email. I never look at email. I do everything out of FileVine or with um, inside PipeDrive, which is our lead management software. So I only respond to the emails that I need to, and those are given to me as tasks by my paralegal. So I don't see email and I wake up every morning. She's on the East coast. I wake up every morning and my email inbox is empty. This is someone virtual. Huh? Okay. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Do your clients not, I mean, you're in a different field than I am. Mm-hmm. So I was a little different in immigration, but I mean, do your, I don't know, maybe it, I think that the needs are different. They don't know. I, I mean, I, we have, I'm, I'm sure that when you have people going through divorce, they're very emotional and they want to talk to you right away. I get all that, but immigrants are the same way. I'm, my husband's getting deported or where's my damn green card. So we, we have a lot of that same emotion. It's just a different emotion, but they, they don't really even know Michelle. They, they don't know that I'm not checking my email. They don't hear from Lauren. They hear from my paralegal or they hear from me if I need to, but I'll just say this. Every time I've made it harder to get a hold of me, I've made more money. So I, I highly encourage it. And if nothing else, even if you don't make more money, it's going to free up your brain in a way that's going to make you really happy. What service do you use? Yeah. So I'll, I'll send you an email. The Gina Horky was the lady of the na- of the company. She runs a company. If you look up her episode, Gina Horky, H-O-R-K-E-Y, we'll put it in the show notes and I can send you the intro and I can even ask Lauren if she's taking on new clients, cause she's fantastic. She does all my travel stuff too. And she does other stuff for me. She's, she's my virtual assistant. I think that's something I'm going to have to look into. It is very easy to sit down, as you know, sit down in front of your computer and like four hours have gone by and I've sent some emails, but I haven't really accomplished anything that I need to accomplish. So the days that I feel I've been most productive are days when I really do. So sort of follow the 12 week year model Lock my time, be really diligent about, I'm not responding to emails or phone calls right now. I'm, you know, I'm going to just do this for two hours or three hours, then check email. Then I'm just going to do this for two hours or three hours. But um, I mean, you're right. It's a lot of, there's a lot of emotional clients are needy, want to talk to you right away. They think everything's an emergency. There are very few actual emergencies. It is really, it's the, there is an article in this week's New Yorker called email is making us miserable. And it is, I think, right on point. I read that and I was like, yep, email is making us miserable. It's making me miserable. So the growing pains, the kind of like, I'm actually getting new, there's going to be a lot of change this year. I mean, I'm getting more office space. I'm moving upstairs in my building, which may seem counterintuitive in the age of Corona, but I firmly believe, and domestic is such a one, I think like a one-on-one business. There's people are always going to want to meet there will still be meetings when we're finished with Corona and we're all vaccinated and I need a place to put another person. So I'm moving upstairs. I need to hire somebody else. There's just a lot, you know, there's just a lot of sort of ongoing, I feel like change and kind of moving with that and figuring out on a daily basis, how to manage it all. It's a lot. So Michelle, you got to remember, you can only do one thing at a time. 
Um, and what happens is we, that's the mindset we all kind of get into. Sometimes we're like, Oh my gosh, I've got so many things going on and then nothing gets done. So the magic of the 12 week year is if it's going to allow you to focus on one or two things and then knock those things out that way you're not so overwhelmed. So, um, as you're going forward and going through the 12 week year, remember that remind yourself of that so that you can stay on task because otherwise you'll get distracted with all the other things you've got to do focus on the one thing. And then, then you'll be able to move forward. We do have to wrap things up, unfortunately, because I, I think this is a conversation I'd like to keep going, but we have to wrap things up. Last thing I'll say about the inbox, the email inbox, is just treat it like a like it's your phone system. Like the you don't answer your own phones, so don't don't answer your own emails. And another listener is one that suggested that, and that whenever they said that, I was like flipping a switch in my brain, like oh, that's right. So treat it like like it's your phone system, not like it's your email system. It's a good way to think about it. That was actually me who said that. Not was it you, Jim? Okay, well, it's Jim. It's one of our listeners, Jim Hacking. He's a he's a really good listener. Great listener. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we do want to write, uh, wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. There's a lot of great activity, a lot of great information. Michelle, there's a video in there that we did with our VAs that handle our email inbox. So you might want to look for that there as well. Um, a lot of a lot of great information in that on how to organize your inboxes. Also, if you want, if you're interested in the guild, go join us at maxlawguild.com. And if you don't mind just taking a couple seconds as you're listening to the rest of this episode to give us a five star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? All right. So first of all, good news, Michelle. I just checked with Lauren, and she is taking on new clients. So I would recommend not only Gina Horky, but I'd recommend Lauren. I'll I'll connect you guys after this. Thank For you. my my hack of the week. This is something I've been talking about in the guild for the last two weeks. And so we had some turnover, a paralegal, a longtime paralegal left. And we also had to fire that dope that I mentioned earlier in the show that had the 10 years of immigration experience. And so I took that as an opportunity to, to dive in on a temporary basis into our, into our processes. And the further you get away from your processes and the more you have other people doing your processes, the, the less familiarity you might have how people are doing the job on the ground. And so for, I spent about a week doing everything that our paralegals do. I, I used their systems. I followed their processes and I found all kinds of things that were either dumb or slow or inefficient or duplicative or nonsensical. And so I have the world's greatest to-do list of things to work on on my business, like actually fixing things. Like I was sort of running out of things that I thought I was running out of things to work on. Of course, we're never done with things to work on, but there's no substitute to being serving as that frontline person. I was talking to the clients. I was gathering their documents. I was organizing them. I was printing them. I was getting forms ready to go out. It was, I actually had fun. I had fun doing it. I mean, it's not something I want to do long-term, but I think that we've identified a list of like 15 things that we need to fix that I never would have known if I hadn't stepped in there. So I'm probably going to just put this on my calendar and do it once a year just to test out things and see how it's going. And I, I can't recommend that enough. Good idea. I love that, Jimmy. That's really good. Uh, all right, Michelle, we, you know, the routine by now, we always ask our guests to give a tip or hack of the week. Do you have one for us? I do. So I think because life is all about the little things, I still take a lot of notes, like actual handwritten notes on a legal pad with pens. I love pens. They are just so satisfying. 
it's also like a really cheap thing to buy online if you're going to be like up late at night and you're looking for something to buy. So I have a couple of pens. I will say my everyday pen is a, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. A, a Pilot V7 retractable rollerball, rollerball, best pen. So fun to click, writes so smoothly. It does run out or maybe I just write a lot, but I, they run out. So you got to have a big supply. And then for, you know, extra fun times, fountain pens are awesome. And I'm still definitely a fountain pen beginner, but the Goulet Pen Company has an awesome website and they make pens too. So it's just a lot of fun. Always, it just brings me joy. I like this. And what was the name of the, of the retractable pen? It's the Pilot V7 Retractable Rollerball. Nothing like it. This might be the first time we've had someone give a pen as their tip. That's that's awesome. Very cool. It's the little things, I'm telling it you. Is. It is. It really is. My my thing, I think, is kind of a little thing, but it's um, also a really big thing when it comes to time savers and just issue savers. And we've not had voicemail in our firm for three years, and it's fantastic. So it is impossible for you to leave a voicemail at our firm and because that's where messages go to die. So always there's everyone's call is always answered in some way. So we have a we have an answering service and phones roll over and everything's everything's handled a certain way. And and so we have gotten rid of voicemail. There are no voicemails set up in our phone system. And so I highly recommend it because I think we all know and I bet there's a lot of blinking lights for people that have desk phones still. They're looking at right now that they've not checked their voicemails in months, probably. And so and, and clients get so ticked off about it. And since we got rid of voicemail, it has been amazing. So I really, really recommend that you get rid of it. Michelle, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I really, honestly, I wish we had more time because I, I think we were going into some fun issues, but unfortunately we were out of time. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. That was great. Thanks, Michelle. All right, thank you. See ya. See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, Go to MaximumLawyer.com Have a great week and catch you next time.